0: Rudolf Steiner's An Outline of Occult Science The Cognition of the Higher Worlds, Initiation Part 4 The object of meditation on the previously characterized symbolic mental images and feelings is, correctly speaking, the development of the higher organs of perception within the human astral body. They are created from the substance of this astral body. These new organs of observation open up a new world, And in this new world, man becomes acquainted with himself as a new ego. The new organs of observation are to be distinguished from the organs of the physical sense world through the fact of their being active organs. Whereas eyes and ears remain passive, permitting light and sound to act upon them, the soul-spirit organs of perception are continually active while perceiving, and they seize upon their objects and facts, as it were, in full consciousness. As much as Steiner makes good points about spiritual development and developing the body of light it's I'd be curious to know what how he would slightly tweak his his writings and his views if he had the full understanding of science as we know it today, including quantum physics and and just well just biology even and that would uh, cognitive sciences that would be very amazing to see how someone like with his spiritual mind uh, would. Tackle that things. It seems these days a lot of the people who are really uh, reputable spiritual researchers tend to go off the deep end with modern science and just sort of appropriate it for their own spiritual use, rather than actually try and integrate an understanding of how we develop spiritually in harmony with the developing knowledge of science, rather than simply using it for to make our own points and arguments. Appropriation, as they say, Steiner says. This results in the feeling that soul-spirit cognition is the act of uniting with the corresponding facts, is really a living within them. The soul-spirit organs that are being individually developed may, by way of comparison, be called lotus flowers, according to the forms which they present imaginatively to supersensible consciousness Granted, it must be clear that such a designation has nothing more to do with the case than the other expression, chamber, has to do with the case when we speak of the chamber of the heart. Through quite definite methods of inner meditation, the astral body is affected in such a way that one or another of the soul-spirit organs, one or another of the lotus flowers, is formed. After all that has been described in this book, it ought to be superfluous to accentuate the fact that these organs of observation are not to be imagined as something that, in the mental representation of its sense image, is a picture of its reality. These organs are supersensible and consist of a definitely formed soul activity. They exist only as far and as long as this soul activity is practiced. The existence of these organs in the human being produces nothing of a sensory character any more than human thinking produces some sort of a physical vapor. Again, it would be interesting to know what his amendments to his thought there with modern cognitive science and understanding of the brain. Whoever insists on visualizing the supersensory as something sensory becomes involved in misunderstandings. And there we have the problem with wave and rash of modern psychics. In spite of the superfluity of this remark, it is made here because again and again there are those who accept the supersensory as a fact, but who in their thoughts desire only what is sensory, and because again and again there appear opponents of supersensory cognition who believe that the spiritual researcher speaks of lotus flowers as though they were delicate physical structures. Every correct meditation that is made in regard to imaginative cognition has its effect upon one or another organ. In my book, Knowledge of the Higher Worlds and Its Attainment, certain methods of meditation and exercises that affect one or another of the organs are outlined. Proper training sets up the several exercises of the student, of the spiritual, and arranges them to follow one another so that the organs are able to develop correspondingly, either singly, in groups, or consecutively. Again, we see this a lot with the middle pillar ritual in Western esotericism. In connection to this development, the spiritual student must have great patience and endurance. Anyone having only the measure of patience possessed as a rule by most human beings through the ordinary relationships of life will find that this does not suffice. For it takes a long time, often a very long time, before the organs are sufficiently developed to permit their employment by the spiritual student in perceiving the spiritual world. This is the moment when something occurs for him that may be called illumination. In contrast to the preparation or purification consisting of the exercises that develop the organs, we speak of purification because the corresponding exercises purify the student in a certain sphere of his inner life, of all that springs only from the sensory world of observation. It may happen that the student, even before his actual illumination occurs, may experience repeatedly the flashes of light coming from a higher world. He should accept such experiences gratefully. Through them, he can already become a witness for the spiritual world, but he should not waver if this does not occur during this period of preparation, which may perhaps seem to him altogether too long. If he exhibits any impatience, whatever, because he does not yet see anything, he has not yet gained the right attitude toward a higher world. Or I would just say, you have to keep going. You have to keep doing the exercises. It can take other, some people years. It takes other, people's, up other people days and months. It's just, <laughs> everyone's different. Steiner says, this attitude can only be grasped by someone for whom the exercises performed in his training can be, as it were, an end in themselves. These exercises are, in truth, Work performed on the soul spirit nature, that is to say, on the student's own astral body, and although he sees nothing, he may feel that he is working on his soul spirit nature. Actually, the point right before that is really key. If you're doing spiritual exercises to achieve certain results or powers, this is something talked about in Kabbalah. The middle path, the middle pillar is the pillar of consciousness, and the two external pillars, the white and black, Yachin and Boaz are the pillars of powers, or manifest forms and force. And if your goal, as soon as you focus your will or attention on one of the side pillars of force or form, if that is your end, then you cease to rise in consciousness, and therefore never develop any powers of force and form in the spiritual life. If, however, one forms a definite opinion right at the beginning of what one actually expects to see, one will not have this feeling, exactly. Then one will consider as nothing what in truth is of immeasurable significance. But one should be subtly observant of everything one experiences during the exercises, and that is so fundamentally different from all experiences in the sense world. One will then certainly notice that one's astral body upon which one is working is not a neutral substance, but that in it, There lives a totally different world, of which one knows nothing in one's life of the senses. Higher beings are working upon the astral body, just as the outer physical sensory world works upon the physical body, and one encounters this higher life in one's own astral body if one does not close oneself to it. If someone repeatedly says to himself, I perceive nothing, then in most cases, He has imagined that spiritual perception must take place in this or that manner, and because he does not perceive what he imagines he should see, he says, I see nothing. What an excellent point. You can tell Steiner was trained well and knew how to train others. If the student has acquired the right attitude toward the exercises of spiritual training, they will constitute something for him that he loves more and more for its own sake. Mm. He then knows that through the practice itself he stands in a world of soul and spirit, and with patience and serenity he awaits what will result. This attitude may arise in the consciousness of the student most favorably in the following words, I will do everything that is proper in the way of exercises, and I know that just as much will come to me at a proper time as is important for me. I do not demand it impatiently, but I am ever ready to receive it. This is absolutely the best spiritual stance to come from for for such things. And uh, most people I'd say who I've witnessed fail or fail in even spectacular fashion definitely all had in common this failing that they were in it for the wrong reasons. They were in it for this or that goal, to achieve this or that thing, to perceive this or that thing. And eventually some of them even convinced themselves that that is what spiritual... Reality is, the thing they wanted it to be, because they were never open to what it actually is in the first place. It is not valid to object that the spiritual student must thus grope about in the dark, perhaps for an immeasurably long time, for he can only know clearly that he is on the right path in his exercises when the results appear. It is untrue that only results can bring knowledge of the correctness of the exercises, if the student takes the right attitude toward them he finds that the satisfaction he draws from the practice gives him the assurance that what he is doing is right he does not have to wait for the results it's like we say in in healing work the the goal is the is the action is the the practice not the results it's the act of doing something holy and sacred that m- is instantly achieves the results. It's a way of being, not of getting what we want. Correct practice in the sphere of spiritual training calls forth satisfaction that is not mere satisfaction, but knowledge, that is to say, the knowledge that he is doing something with which convinces him that he is making progress in the right direction. Every spiritual student may have this knowledge at every moment, provided he is subtly attentive to his experiences. If he does not employ this attention, then the experiences escape him, as is the case with the pedestrian who, lost in thought, does not see the trees on both sides of the road, although he would see them were he to direct his attention to them. It is not at all desirable that a result be hastened different from the one that must always occur from correct practice. For this result might easily be only the smallest part of what should actually appear. In regard to spiritual development, a partial success is often the reason for a strong retardation of the complete process. Mm -hmm. The movement among such forms of spiritual life that correspond to the partial success dulls the sensitivity in regard to the influence of the forces that lead to higher stages of evolution. What we may have gained by having peered into the spirit world is only an illusion, for this peering cannot furnish the truth, but only a mirage. And we see that a lot in pathworking, working and meditation, where people are only really encompassing that outer layer of love and happiness and, and good, good feelings, but never seeing really anything nuanced or detailed or complex or even that relates to real, precise realities in our world or our lives. They just get this outer sort of uh, outer sunshine but never the substance of the sun itself and the complex heats that will actually burn you and melt you down and transform you. They're just feeling the warm, happy, sunny rays and that's all they ever want. And that's fine if that's your path. But it's not the path of the Initiate.